Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to Everything Hoops. I'm your host, Lance Caparossi, and I'm with Bryce, the lanky sharpshooter out of Kansas. You can check out Everything Hoops on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a comment, rate our show, subscribe, and more and more importantly, tell a hoop fan. All right, so at the beginning of these podcasts, we start with three headlines. We call it going for deep. Today, we only have two because the rest of the topics and the headlines are going to be organically put into the conversation. But let's get this started. Bryce, I sent you the article earlier in the week. A new partnership will allow college athletes to earn money from content posted on Twitter. It's called Open Doors. It's a deal with Twitter. It will give college athletes the opportunity to start earning money from content they create. Open Doors said the deal with Twitter will ensure that college athletes align with approved advertisers, that published videos are complying with NCAA rules and various state laws. Schools with deals like with Open Doors are Nebraska, Texas, Ohio State, LSU, Indiana, and BYU. Athletes can't use team names. It's only created content. How amped up are you for this to see just the, I mean, you were a college athlete. Was your life interesting enough as a college athlete to post on Twitter and make money off of? No, my personal life was not. Now I had some teammates and I won't call them out. Maybe we can have them on the show eventually. Their lives were plenty interesting that people would have followed them and uh, they could have made some money. So you know, I, I went to the website, the Open Doors website, and try to get like more of a grasp of what all this. I, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't know that I fully understand all of it. I like, don't I'm either. Still, okay, so I'm still trying to figure it out. But my vibe is that they kind of give these college athletes direction and the way to do it, the right way to do it. Make sure they don't get with the wrong people or you know stuff like that. That's kind of how I got it. I do think it's cool that like. So I, I had teammates who made like a trick shot video whenever they were in college and it went viral. Like it was huge. And so like, I kind of like for them, they may have been able to make money off of that if, you know, if it happened now. So it's cool that they can make a trick shot video or if somebody was really into it, make a shooting clinic video or whatever, you know? So, so I, I do think it's cool. Again, we've talked about this money off name image likeness. I think it's awesome that athletes can make money and hopefully they're doing this for the right reason to keep them, you know, in line with where they need to be. It's funny that you think of like the trick shots and the shooting clinics. And I'm thinking, dude, the reality, like the reality <laughs> aspect, like just a dude, I don't know, going to a party or, you know, he's on a yacht or something. I'm like, okay, you might actually, like if you were to follow Johnny Manziel's career outside of football, yeah, it'd be wild. 
And that's so, kind of what I'm getting at. Okay. So yeah, I don't go, I do watch some reality TV to be all, to be completely honest. My, my wife's name is up here on the board. My family behind us today. I do watch some reality TV with her. She, she got, shot, got me on that a little bit. So we lit, we had a basketball house whenever, I don't know why I do air quotations since nobody, most people can't see me, we don't have the video for most, but um, we had a basketball house and like five of us lived in the house. And so like, it would have been cool to have someone follow us around and, you know, all that stuff playing super Mario Kart, whatever. And uh, guitar hero was big back. I'm showing my age now was big back then. So it, it would have been cool, but I definitely didn't go there first. I don't think they're coming to American to do that, but I could see them going to KU or Michigan or Duke or whatever and following the life of, you know, such and such player. Do you think like open doors, because they have contracts with Nebraska, Texas, Ohio State, LSU, Indiana, BYU. Do you think that will affect recruiting at all for some of these schools? I think all, I personally think all of this is going to affect recruiting in a major way. I, I really do. I, I, I feel like I think that more than a lot of people. I don't hear people talk about it quite as much. I think a booster, uh, you know, this concept like, hey, come to Texas and you'll have your own reality show as part of the basketball team or the volleyball team or the baseball team or whatever, you know, like it's any sport. Like, I do think that, you know, if they can use that as a recruiting tool and that's what these kids, like I teach middle school science and you talk to these kids about what they want to be when they get older, Lance, these kids, literally their life goal now isn't to be doctors or lawyers or whatever. It's to be professional YouTubers. Like that's how they want to make their living. And it is what it is. That's fine. You know, I tell them all the time, well, then you better start figuring out a way to, that people are going to want to watch what you do. But that's, that's what these kids grow up wanting to do is be on YouTube, be on Twitter, be on Twitch, you know, overwatch all these things. So yeah, I think you can use it as a recruiting tool. So just uh, like my five-year-old daughter too, she's like, I want to be a dentist, but then I want to do stuff on YouTube. So <laughs> I like, I bought her a camera and she'll like go on adventures with like her friends and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's wild. Like, it's weird. Like, even like, I mean, I thought about that stuff when I was a kid, but it's weird how it trickles down and how it's become so big. But I do think this is going to affect recruiting, maybe not in like the biggest of ways right away, because I don't believe every student athlete coming up is like, yeah, I want to be on YouTube. I want to create video content. Well, I'm sure it passes through everybody's mind, but there are going to be some recruits that are like, yeah, like I want to be a communications major. I want to get into sports broadcasting. I want to be able to do that type of stuff once my career ends. And if you can go to a school, like I can't believe I'm about to say their name, Ohio State or Indiana, oh. <laughs> it is, you know, you're, you're getting a leg up because now you have, I mean, you have more resources, you have more opportunities, you know, maybe the boosters help get some alumni on your you know, Twitter show, you know, on your podcast, you know, whatever, like they can help out doing those things because now it is legal for the student athlete to actually go down that um, avenue and make some revenue from it. So, I mean, I think it will affect some recruits and just not all of them. So that's a really good point. So I just thought of this as like some of these guys know they're not going on to the NBA, right? Yep, after exactly. college, but they'll use this now as to set up their life after basketball in the same way LeBron James and different guys are setting up their lives after basketball during their professional careers. So like, I'm trying to think of the right way, like the right example 
but yeah, like maybe you go to such and such school because an alumni from there, you know, is big in with broadcasting or something with music or whatever it is. Like, I can't think of a specific example off the top of my head, but you know, some guy that wants to make music, they know there's an alumni that can help them out with that. So now I'm going to go to USC because I know I have a connection to this person, you know, and, and coaches, trust me, coaches will use whatever they can anything to get recruits to come. So if I, if I'm talking to this kid, I'm recruiting Lance Caparossi and I know Lance wants to be, you know, into sports, um, you know, uh, uh, podcasting and all this stuff, you know, then I'm going to go find the alumni from our school and I'm going to bring him in and I'm going to tell him, Hey, this guy will walk you. He'll, he'll get you on his show or, you know, whatever it is, you know, Will Bond's from Northwestern, right? So they're going to call Will Bond and say, Hey, can you help this kid out? Like coaches are smart. They're going to utilize this stuff. I could, I, I'm always, when I think of this, I think of Mark Titus. He was an Ohio state yes, basketball yes. player. So, yeah. okay. I'm glad you know the name from 06 to 2010. He, he sat on the bench for Ohio state. He actually wrote a book called coach. Don't put me in. He would have been a hilarious guy. Yes. I believe to follow. And I think, what you're saying, this helps out a guy like that. He knows he's not going pro. He's in college. He probably wanted to utilize, he did utilize his resources. He made an entire book and launched a career in writing based on his time at Ohio State. So a guy like that who is charismatic, who is funny, has a personality, has these resources, and now has the opportunity to capitalize on that in college. Oh man, yeah. There's going to be guys like him that just take this and run with it. It's going to be incredible to see the content that comes out from athletes. But before we move on, let me ask you, what is one college athlete past, present, or current that you would past, present, or current that you would love to follow in like kind of like a reality setting, just to kind of see how their days in everyday life is going on. Oh, that's a good one. You brought up Manziel. Johnny uh, Manziel would be wild. I'm going to tell you that. That would just be incredible. You know, I think I, I'd say like Magic Johnson would probably would have been fun, <laughs> you know, just because like I actually know someone, he's a client of mine in the barbershop that was their RD, I believe, their residence or whatever, resident advisor, RA. RA yeah, yeah, their RA. And he was like, I remember – he tells this story about Magic Johnson. He's like, yeah, Magic, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's like, oh, I'm going to go play pro ball. And he's like, all right, let's think about something else. I don't know why they had that conversation, but he's like, here I am. I'm five foot eight talking to this guy that's like seven foot telling him, yeah, you should think about life outside of basketball. Had no idea who I was really talking to. But, you know, just somebody like that where it's like Magic Johnson, that huge smile, like the life of the party, wherever he goes. I think that would be kind of cool to follow. How about like Deion Sanders or Mike Blurvin? Oh, Yes. I mean, there'd probably be a lot of stuff they couldn't show you, but yeah, Deion Sanders, that's uh, like, that'd so, be amazing. So, my other one is like the University of Miami, like those football, you know, and I know there's some stuff that's come out, but like, yeah, I think some of those big time football programs, man. And like, I was a part of it, but like, I would like to see what is it really like to be because I played at a very small major division one. We, we, we People know this, you know, most probably haven't even heard of American university. So I'd like to see what the life of a Duke basketball player is a KU basketball player, a Michigan basketball player. Cause I feel like those guys got a different experience than what I did even, you know, um, as a division one player. So I think just in general, it would be fascinating to see, but some of those guys, some, Dion, uh, Irvin, those Miami teams back then, 
uh, Florida State, like all those Florida schools, like they, I just feel like they had that rep, like in the eight nineties of being just insane. It would have been kind of cool to see like Brian Bosworth and like, yes. you know, just cause he was a huge superstar in college, but Ann, you just made me think of something. You were talking about Duke coach K retiring. You think it's going to be a good season for him his final year or no? Yeah. I mean, I think so. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Okay. I mean, and, I think they'll bounce back. They, they had a tough year last year, but I think they'll bounce, you know, historically, I, I shouldn't say this. I don't know. So, but I feel like usually those programs like that don't have back-to-back years where they're down. Yeah. Every one of them goes through at least a year where the recruits don't hit or, you know, a transfer or an extra guy goes pro, whatever it is. So, and I think everybody will mo- be motivated to make this a great finale for coach K I'm interested to see how much John Shire, I don't think we'll see it as much from the outside, but how much he actually runs the show this year. Like my impression is this is kind of like a test run for him. Um, Obviously he's going to be the coach either way, but for him to kind of get acclimated with coach K still around. So um, I, I do think it'll be interesting. Obviously he's had an amazing career. He's one of the goats in college basketball, basketball in general of coaching. My disdain for Duke is much known but i still try to give respect where respect is due it's funny i completely forgot about your disdain for duke (laughs) when i asked that so you think john shire gets the job over tommy amaker i think that's already been said i think it's okay it's been yeah he was he's been i think he already had a press conference like yesterday or on friday um and and he's been named the 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 whatever coach in waiting now i guess i gotcha i gotcha i guess i haven't been following it yep but okay, so we're going to still talk about a head coach. He was recently fired. He had eight consecutive trips to the playoffs. He's the second winningest coach in the Portland Trailblazers history. Terry Stotts, is this fair or unfair to be fired after the season they had and after the success he's had in Portland? I mean, I think it's fair. Like, it is what it is in sports. You know, like if you don't perform, if you don't reach a certain level, like we all know that. You know that as a player. Like, if you don't play, if you don't perform, your ass goes and sits on the bench. Like that's the way it works. And whether it's Terry Stott's fault or not, I don't know. Like I don't follow the Blazers close enough to speak on that. But after this long in this, I don't want to say they're mediocre, but in the place they're in, which we've talked about this Lance in the NBA, you can only be in this place for so long. Right. And you have to change it up. And usually it starts with the coach. Me personally, I would trade CJ McCollum and try to switch things up. The only guy on that roster that's untouchable is Damian Lillard. You don't move Damian Lillard. But I would try something. Like at a certain point, you have to get out of this. Again, I use the analogy of the Chiefs. We have, you know, we were really good. And you had Alex Smith. And people are like, what are they doing trading for Patrick Mahomes? Well, we were tired of never having a chance of making the Super Bowl. So we're going to gamble. And we're going to put all of our eggs in the basket of Patrick Mahomes. And I was all for it. So for me, the Blazers fire thoughts, go find some coach, like try to hit the lottery with it. Try to make the CJ McCollum trade and see if you can win it and shake things up. And you, I understand them being tired of where they're at. But do you think it's more Terry Stott's fault that they're not where they're at or more of the way the roster is constructed? Yeah. And that's where like, that may be the case. Like I understand that as well. And again, I don't know if it's the coach's fault. Like I don't watch enough of the games. Like, is he not using the players correctly? Is he, you know, I've watched some end of game and broke down some end of game stuff. 
they don't run a lot of stuff, Lance. Like, it's pretty much like get Damian the ball and get out of the way, which maybe that's what you should do whenever you have Damian yeah. Lillard, you know? I mean, the Clippers did the same thing with Kawhi Leonard. Um, that's why I think Quinn Snyder is a really good coach for Utah. As I watch more of their games, they run lots of stuff, man. They run some really fun sets. So maybe Terry Stotts just doesn't feel like he has to. Maybe Damien's going to, you know, dominate the ball anyway. But I don't think change is bad. Stotts will find another job. I don't feel bad for him. I don't think it's unfair. I understand. Excuse me. I understand the move. Okay. So out of these names, Chauncey Billups, Jeff Van Gundy, Mike D'Antoni, I'm not even going to mention Juwan Howard because I'm tired of people bringing him up because he's not leaving. <laughs> and Jason Kidd. We'll say those four names. Chauncey, Mike D'Antoni, um, Jeff Van Gundy, which I'm honestly kind of surprised by that, to be honest. Sure. And Jason Kidd. Who do you think gets the spot out of those four to well, be I the mean, next head coach? It sounds like it's going to be Jason Kidd simply because that's who Dame wants. You know, Dame has publicly said already he wants Jason Kidd. I would like it to see like it to be Chauncey. Um, I've been a big Chauncey fan ever since I was a kid. He was playing when he was playing at Colorado, obviously with the Pistons and, and all of that. Um, I have no interest in seeing Jeff Van Gundy or Dan Tony, you know, coach. Like I actually have a teammate who's brought this up. Like why do these guys keep getting more jobs? Like all the NBA seems to do sometimes is just recycle and trade coaches here and there, you know? I, and I don't get it. I really yeah, don't. Let's try somebody new. And see, that's my other thing too. And it comes to like, I kind of equate it to football. I understand the lure of being a head coach, but what the hell is wrong with being an offensive coordinator in the yeah. NFL? Or what is wrong with being an off? Like Mike D'Antonio, in my opinion, he would, if he didn't have to manage the minutes or manage the rotation, but just solely focused on the offensive schemes that a team does, I think they would be wildly successful because he was the offensive coach for Team USA, and Carmelo Anthony has never been more efficient. But when he was the head coach in New York, it just seemed like it just didn't work out, you know, like it did in, you know, Phoenix. I I, I just don't get it. Like with why? I mean, yeah, there's the money, there's like the title, there's the, the ego. Yeah. yeah, the ego, there's the attention. I get it. But man, there's nothing wrong with being an offensive coordinator, an offensive coach in professional sports. You still get a lot of credit and. I honestly, I just don't, I don't understand why Mike D'Antoni doesn't go that route, in my opinion. Like, but again, whatever, ego is involved, you're right. I don't know if I would take a backseat to anybody either, but, you know. No, it's, it, it's hard, and it is, but, you know, I, I've said this before, you know, so I do these breakdowns, right? We've talked about this, and I thought yeah. about starting to do NBA draft breakdowns, and, um, you know, Cade Cunningham, Mobile, and, and I finally realized, Lance, like, no, stay in your lane. Like mm -hmm. you, ha you didn't watch a ton of the college basketball games outside of a few, some KU games and stuff. Stay in your lane, like stay where, I don't want to say I'm good at it, but I'm having, you know, there's a little bit of success with it right now. Don't try to go outside. And so that's what you're saying with D'Antoni. You're really good at offense. So stay in your lane. Exactly. Don't start trying, like maybe you're not good at player evaluation. Maybe you're not good with the salary cap. Maybe you're not good with, uh, defensive x and o's stay in your lane and it's okay and you're probably going to be more successful and get more credit than if you go be a head coach and you know aren't able to handle all of that but it's hard it's hard with with your ego okay so brad stevens he's stepping down as coach and coming into the president of basketball operations you think that's the best move for brad stevens you know i i don't know because yeah. I, I don't think his time in boston has been overly successful as a head coach you know like I love Brad Stevens. Like I love those Butler teams. I was there when Gordon Hayward, 
I had the perfect angle. Again, I'm like showing on the video screen like it matters. Uh, Gordon Hayward missed that half-court shot against Duke. I was there with my dad. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Me and my father got to share together. And I've been in love with Butler ever since and Brad Stevens. I think he's been a fine coach. I'm not saying he was a – did I say failure? I shouldn't have said failure. No, you didn't say failure. Um, Okay, but I I don't think it's been an overwhelming success. And I give him a little bit of a pass this year, like the Jalen Brown injury and different things. But maybe that's where he thinks he's better off. Maybe he thinks that's where he needs to be. I think it's interesting. I thought it was an interesting career decision for him. But maybe he felt like he's done what he's needed to in coaching, and this was the next step for him. See, I always loved how he was able to fit guys in to find success. Like yep. when they had Isaiah Thomas in there, the dude was five <laughs> foot eight, scoring 28 points per game. They were able to hide him. Per- and it's not like he was jacking up a bunch of shots or anything. Like he wasn't a volume scorer in that sense, but they put him in position to succeed. And I thought that was, I, I fell in love with Brad Stevens coaching yep. after that. I did watch those Butler teams as well. And I, I mean, man, Gordon Hayward, Matt Smith, um, Man, I'm forgetting the point card right now, but I know he played in the NBA for a little Shelvin bit. Shelvin Mack. Yeah, Shelvin Mack. Loved Shelvin Mack as well. Actually, Mr. Michigan, Scooby Johnson, he is playing at Butler as well. He had an ACL injury, but he's a phenomenal basketball player as well, and he'll be playing for Butler next season. But, yeah, no, I, I again, you're right. I, it's hard to say if it's a good move for Brad Stevens. I kind of feel like he's doing the John Beeline thing where he's getting out before the water gets too hot you know, before the pot sure. starts to boil over. That's what I feel like Brad Stevens doing. And maybe this is his way of saying, I tried my best in Boston and he's looking for a way to get back into the college game. I don't know that this, that could be it. Cause I feel like he still has a lot more years of coaching basketball. No, he definitely can. Yeah. Whether it's in the NBA or college, but. But here's it, maybe this is his passion, Lance. Like if you gave me the choice of being a, so I'm a high school coach. If you gave me the choice, like the Pistons came to me and said, Bryce, you can be the head coach of the Pistons or you can be the GM of the Pistons. I would choose to be the GM every single day. Same. same. I mean, because I just think it's so much fun. But I grew up playing, you know, uh, 2K and I didn't want to play the games. I just wanted to build the roster. You know, I wanted to draft and make the contracts and make the trades and all that. Like, I love doing that. And I even love doing it more with football because there's so many more players and things you can do. So I, I know this is a basketball podcast, but so... I can understand somebody saying, Hey, I want to go have my, you know, I want to go be that guy, not the guy down on the court. So that was my favorite thing to do in 2K. I would play some of the games. Like I go franchise, I go 25 years deep. I am, you know, finagling trades to get more draft picks. I'm scouting the guys. But in, dude, the college football game, I loved it so much based on recruiting because they had that substitution feature. So I could draft a linebacker, but I could put him damn near any like I, I remember like I got the number one outside linebacker in the country and I used them on the defensive line middle linebacker used them in certain blitz packages because I could and I would do it for wide receivers and quarterbacks like if I had a quarterback that had a deep arm I'd put him in there on certain plays just to throw something just to throw a Hail Mary down the field I yeah. love roster construction it is yeah. one of my favorite things to do in sports video games and, you know, I thought it would, I'd even, you know, do it more as a 30-year-old because I have my own money, my own income, and I could do whatever <laughs> I want with it. But, you know, that's part of me that stalled just a little bit. All right. So here's a topic that was brought up pretty much by Max Kellerman. I can't wait to talk about this. But is the NBA worth watching without LeBron? Max Kellerman tweeted this out. So instead of Lakers-Clippers conference finals, 
we're going to get Denver, Utah, and instead of New York, LA finals, which was never going to happen, maybe Utah, Milwaukee. Lee's got to be happy about that. You hear that tweet. What do you want to say to Max Kellerman as a basketball fan? It made me so mad. I read it and it made me so mad, Lance. Like, I couldn't even, like, I almost tweeted him back and then, like, it was going to take three tweets to get everything in it. And it just, I, I ended up being like, nah, like, I'll just leave it alone. But you bring up a good point. One, New York was never going to be in the finals. Two, New York probably has less of a superstar when you talk about individual players than a lot of the teams left in the finals. So I know it's the Knicks. I know it's Madison Square Garden. I understand all that stuff. But, like, there's a lot of teams right now that have a bigger star than what the Knicks have anyway. And this is so bad for, I don't say casual fan, like, in a negative way, because I know sometimes it's used in a negative way. But the casual fan listens to this and like, oh, I guess I want to watch the rest of the playoffs. No, casual fan, go watch the Utah Jazz because they're freaking fun to watch, Lance. They are a blast to watch play basketball. Go watch Trey Young just dominate a game at his size and stature. Go watch Luca and what he's doing, or Kawhi and the extreme efficiency he's playing with right now, let alone Devin Booker down the line. All right, yeah. guy after guy after guy. There are plenty of storylines. There are plenty of stars for these national media guys to talk about. Yeah, I was a little – if I could have ever – like reach through a screen that would have been the first time ever in my life and be like dude what the dude, what the hell are you talking about we got donovan mitchell we got devin booker we got Kawhi, luca trey young we got ben simmons we got we still got a curry we got seth who had 30 points in the last game you know then we got kevin durant james harden hopefully he comes back we the, in the list just goes on there's so many I mean, we're not even talking about Giannis and Chris Middleton. There's so many good players still left in the NBA playoffs. And it was just a slap in the face to the basketball world, in my opinion, just to basically say, cool. Like now that we don't have these teams, these teams aren't in it. Like this isn't even worth watching. No, it's still worth watching. These are great players putting on incredible performances. And honestly, I got tired of seeing LeBron James in the finals. Like it it, it got really boring. And now that, The storyline we should be, one of the storylines that we should be talking about is Chris Paul still has a chance. You know, he got rid of, he got over the biggest obstacle so far in the playoffs, you know? And then the other storyline is really like, can Giannis, you know, take this team over the hump and get over the Brooklyn Nets? Like, you know, there's still storylines that are developing from this. Just because it's not LeBron James, just because it's not Steph Curry, doesn't mean we're not going to get good basketball. We're still going to get great moments and, if you're not watching it, I feel sorry for you. I really do. Yeah, and so that's what I was like. I feel like they should be promoting all this stuff. Isn't this good for the league that quite possibly your two biggest stars, Curry and LeBron James, aren't in the playoffs right now, and there's still plenty of talent, plenty of star power, plenty of storylines. Like, yes, I understand that sounds contradictive. What do you mean you don't want your two biggest stars? Yes, it would, it would be great to have them. My point is this allows the narratives – of these young stars to start to develop and and begin. And maybe they're not there yet, but Lance, they're going to be there. Like to me, this is impatience by Kellerman and everybody else. Something's going to happen. Luke is going to win game seven today and go on a magical run, or maybe it's Trey young or 
Yon, you brought up Giannis and CP3. Like maybe we don't see the exact storyline yet, but somebody's going to go on a tear in this playoffs. It's going to happen. That's going to be a big storyline. And so I just feel like they're, they're taking the easy way out. You have the possible MVP, Jokic, still in the playoffs. Possible defensive player of the year, Gobert. And Simmons still in the playoffs. You have a coach of the year, probably in Monty Williams and Phoenix still in the playoffs. And you have the sixth man of the year in Jordan Clark. So all the awards winners are still in the playoffs. Like what is the issue? What have we not brought up enough storylines? Imagine though. I don't even know if I, I haven't looked at the seeds, but imagine if Devin Booker in the Phoenix Suns gets to the conference finals and then the Utah jazz with Donovan Mitchell, that one-on-one yeah. -on -one matchup for a potential seven games of yeah. like, I believe Donovan Mitchell is kind of like a Dwayne Wade light. And I think yeah. of Devin Booker is kind of like he has some, some Kobe Bryant to his game. Like that would, we never got to see that in, I don't believe we got to see that in the NBA finals, Kobe and Dwayne Wade. That is a matchup I dreamed of in, 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 in a playoff settings. And we didn't get it, you know? And like, but now we get another chance with Booker and Donovan Mitchell, who I think are some of the bright spots in the NBA or in the entire game of basketball and we're diminishing it because LeBron James is out of the playoffs. It's like, like I said, it's a slap in the face to basketball fans. It's a slap in the face to the basketball world. I get how great LeBron James is. I get why it's fun to have him in the playoffs. I get it. Like, yeah, it would be cool to see him go to more, but man, to see that potential matchup between D, you know, Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell, that is, that to me excites me more than seeing LeBron James go to another NBA finals appearance. I'll just say that like, honestly, I don't enjoy watching the Lakers play. So like for me, it didn't really bother me. Like, so I'm big with CJ Marchesani has these gravity spacing metrics. And I think you've seen them on Twitter. We've talked about them a little bit. And so I'm all about spacing in this new game of basketball and, you know, analytics and all that. The Lakers aren't that. And so I'm not saying LeBron James isn't great. Please don't take this out of context. If you're listening, I'm just saying I didn't enjoy watching the Lakers because they don't, they were one of the worst spacing teams in the league. So I don't think they're a very well-constructed team. So I would rather watch the Jazz play or the Suns play or the Nets even or the Bucks. Like th those games are – that's fun basketball to me. And in my opinion, this is what I was kind of bringing up last week with when we had Derek Mercer on. It was that you have to coach differently with LeBron James because you don't want to take away too, much, too many of his abilities. He's so good at dictating the game and telling people where to go and just basically like reading – the defense and making the smart play it kind of diminishes what a coach does sure. when they're you know when when they're the head coach of LeBron James led team and you don't get to see the creativity like what you broke down with the Utah Jazz you're not going to get that with a LeBron James led team so I, I understand it like to me in my opinion I I I I know how great LeBron James is but I'm with you I get bored I get bored watching the Lakers play it, it's just it's almost like they're just trying to cram it in my face all the time. And I get tired of it. So happy to see him out. Enjoy the off season, LeBron. <laughs> He's got a movie to make. Apparently he has a lot of books to finish reading too. So, <laughs> so this is another question. And I don't know, we kind of tentatively talked about this in our text messages and everything, but I do want to bring it up. This is the everything hoops podcast. If you haven't heard the BAL, it is the basketball African league. I followed it a little bit. I didn't get too much into the season. I kind of knew about it because of J. Cole, but I do follow it on Instagram and I do go to their website often. I check out the highlights, but it was Zamelik. They won their first championship. So my question to you is, 
since I just brought this up, are you interested in basketball outside of the U.S.? I mean, I, I don't follow it a lot, to be yeah. honest with you, Lance. Like, I'll just be completely honest. Like, I feel like I'm missing out on leagues in the U.S. You know, we've talked about the WNBA. Yep. I feel like I watched less college basketball this year than any year because I was so involved. You know, we, we both have the, our Pistons centered podcast. So I have to watch, I feel like I have to watch every Pistons game to make sure I have the content ready. I'm watching as many NBA games now because of this and the playoffs. And so there's only so much time, you know, like I have to prioritize my time and I don't get to watch as much WNBA as I'd like. I don't get as watch get to watch as much college basketball as I like. So no, I didn't get into the, the basketball African league. And honestly, so my co-host or my host, I guess on the motor city who's podcast, he plays overseas right now. Like he literally plays in the Romanian league. I get so confused. Like I never know what league he's playing in. Like if he's playing for his national team or the, like, it's just hard to stay up with and follow. And so I probably don't do as good a job as what I should. Yeah. I, I mean, I love basketball. Like I, don't get me wrong. I'm like, I'm not staying up till 4am to watch this league. Like, I mean, I would maybe if there was like former Michigan players and, and, and it's no disrespect to the PAL. Like I said, some of the highlights have been fun. I followed some of the storylines, actually Trell Stoglin, who we talked about last week yeah. with Mercer, he was the leading scorer of the league at like 30 points per game. But in my opinion, the league itself is there's a lot of good talent, but there's also a lot of, older talent that's in there and they just haven't found their footing yet in the league. That's at least what I've noticed from it, but I am a little excited. I'm going to keep following it. I'll probably update us on this podcast as often. And if you follow the everything hoops, Instagram page, if you check the story, I'll always post news from the BAL, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. If you had followed, like whether it was Vlad in Romania or it was any European teams or cause you know, that's all about coaching. And I know that's yeah. your alley. So I just figured like, Oh, you know, this dude, he might, he might, but I'm with you. I, I follow it, but I don't follow it. Like I follow the NBA. Yeah. And so. I mean, like it's, it's a, everything's about priorities, right? Life yep. is about priorities. So, you know, again, I have, you know, a wife, I have three kids, a job. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, I know everybody has that. Like, I'm not trying to like, Hey, look, you know, I have all this stuff going on, but I also coach. And so it's like, you know, during seasons, I'm breaking down football film during football season for our, you know, our team for basketball season. And so at some point I just have to be like, okay, this is, I just have to focus on these things and it would be good. I'd love to watch some of those games and see how quality the basketball is and the talent. Cause I think again, I think a lot of people think they could go play in Europe. Like, I think there's a lot of hoopers that like, Oh, I could go make it over there. It's like, nah, bro. Like, like it's not that easy. There's legit hoopers over there that are big time shooters, big time athletes, big time basketball. And so it's really, really quality basketball. Same as the WNBA. Well, I mean, Josh Childress, he chose the European career over an NBA career just based on the amount of, he would make more money overseas yeah. than he would in the NBA. And he was a quality NBA players. So you are getting guys that have, you know, they could probably make an NBA. Well, they could make an NBA roster, but they get more of an opportunity to showcase their sure. full skills and abilities and, you know, overseas. So, but Hey, we're going to get ready to end this. So you got a block charge this week. I, of course I got a block charge for you this week. I love this because he doesn't know what's coming. And that's my favorite part of, of the, so he has to make an, a, a decision on the spot. So this week's block charge, maybe the most polarizing player in the NBA in terms of if he's good, not good, overrated, underrated, everything else. In my opinion, 
So you have to choose, Lance, for the block charge. Is Ben Simmons overrated or is Ben Simmons underrated? Okay, so, man, I actually thought you were going to bring up Andre Drummond, and I'm like, yes, I can finally <laughs> speak my <laughs> thoughts on Andre Drummond. But, no, for Ben Simmons, I honestly think he's underrated. I really do. Like, he is – he's a Swiss Army knife. This is what we want in basketball. Like, he's a guy that could really play posi- like positions one through five. Like, he's a point guard. Like, I mean, he's not much of a shooter, don't get me wrong. But, like, on the defensive side – he can really defend one through five. Like he is a matchup nightmare. He can do everything to an above average level, dribbling, passing, defense, um, rebounding. Like he knows how to run an offense. Like he knows how to do everything. And I feel like people look at the scoring numbers and are like, oh, well, yeah, he's a little overrated because he can't shoot. He'll go 0 for 5 from the three-point line or maybe 0 for 1 for the season. I have no idea how many he wants to shoot. But they just, they look at one tiny aspect and like, yeah, it's one weakness to his game. It's one weakness. But the rest of his game is so good. I feel like it doesn't matter if he shoots the ball well or not. I would like for him to have a little bit more com- confidence and at least take those shots in my like cuz I think that would open everything up and keep the defense more honest. But he does everything so well. It I, I can't imagine people think he's overrated just because he can't shoot. Who I don't care if he's putting up 20 points per game. He just got his team without Joel Embiid to the second round of the playoffs. You know, like he didn't have to score a bunch of buckets to do that. He had a triple double, did whatever anything else his team needed him to do, set his guys up and they won the game. Like that is the beauty of, you know, Ben Simmons. That's what the beauty was of Jason Kidd. You know, another guy that, yes, he made almost 2,000 three-pointers. You pointed that out. But he was a guy that, like, like you know, he would pass up good shots for better shots. And I feel like that's what we're seeing with Ben Simmons. So, to answer your question, he is underrated, in my opinion. No, so that's what – it's crazy to me. But, like, I see this a lot. Like, there's people who think he's a trash NBA player. Like, I don't want to say like, – like, people I respect, people that – my college teammates so college hoopers division one hoopers in our group chat I will get in fights with because they think Ben Simmons sucks they think he's an awful player and I'm just like no you can't people and here's the problem one he was the number one pick right so that's the first strike against him and he has not lived up to that hype I, I don't think you could argue that I don't think he's lived up to what you would want from a number one player I, I would agree with that but eventually and this is a topic for another day you have to detach where a person was drafted in terms of how you view them as an NBA player. And we're at that point with Ben Simmons, detach the number one pick whenever you decide how good he is as an NBA player. And the other thing is the shooting. And listen, you know this, I'm a shooter. That's all I could do. It was what got me to where I was, but I can see the other aspects of a basketball player that makes them a good basketball player. And he has every other aspect. It's a massive detriment to his game. It's going to keep him from being a great player. But he's a really, really good player. He's a number two, number three player on a championship team. And I just think it – I've had to really take his side and become a fan because I was so tired of all of the backlash and hate that he takes. It just really started to frustrate me. And I'm not a Philly fan. I'm not a Ben Simmons fan. Like, it just was like, okay, I'm tired of hearing all this. Ben Simmons is a really good player. Let's give him his respect. If he were to come to your team and be your point guard or be your guy, and he was getting you to the second round of the playoffs consistently, and like you essentially could put 
any player around him, I think 90% of basketball fans would love it. And I think if there's a 10% that would just nitpick his game or just look at the numbers and say, how is he the number? How is he our number one? But offensively, yeah, he's probably better off as a three guy, like, you know, the third option, but dude, if he's one of your one or two best players on your team, your team is pretty good and set up for the future pretty nicely. Yeah. And that's like, I think he just doesn't fit that mold of, it's just weird because he's a six, eight point guard that can't shoot. So like when he passes it up, he has to go play in the, like, but it, it creates all sorts of fun, fascinating mismatches lands. Like you watch the games, like you're going to put a guard on him. Well, he's going to go kill you on the offensive boards. I wish he would expand his post game a little bit. Cause I think he could terrorize people in the post with the mismatches he gets. But I, like you said, he's a Swiss army knife that can do all sorts of things. And he's a great defender. Obviously he's a, in the candidate for, you know, defensive player of the year. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see if he guards Trey young. I just want to put that in before we finish it up. They play oh, the Hawks yes. here in the sim. I want to see if he matches with Trey young throughout the game, late in games in certain situations. Cause I think that would be so much fun to watch. Dude, that would be incredible before we go Philly or Hawks, just say a name. <sighs> <laughs> so I'm, can I put a caveat yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. If Joel Embiid is uh, in, unable to play or if Joel Embiid is not who he was through most of the regular season in the first few games of the playoffs, I think the Hawks win it. I do. I, I love this Hawks team. I love Trey Young. I They were a dark horse team for me earlier in the year. I didn't scream it real loud because I didn't want to look like a fool. So, um, and, and now I, I kind of feel a little bit smarter about my NBA knowledge and, you know, I like that roster if Embiid isn't who Embiid was all year based off him not playing or the injury just holds him back a little bit, I I have a lot of confidence saying the Hawks win this series. So I like the Hawks team. I like the way they're built, but I'm still taking Philly. I'm going to take Philly. And if Embiid doesn't play? If Embiid even doesn't even play. if Embiid doesn't play. I think we'll see something different with Ben Simmons. He will really show and live up to the billing as a franchise guy. He'll just do a little bit of everything you need him to do. And – yeah, that's what I think. I think Ben Simmons will put this team on his back and he'll do whatever the team needs. As long as he's healthy, I still like the Philly. I still like the Sixers' chances of winning this series. How about all those storylines right there we just brought up from Max Kellerman? Somebody send this to him and, and let him know all the different things he can talk about. I would love to have Max on, but, you know, we'll see someday, someday. But anyways, that is the podcast. Thank you for listening to Everything Hoops. Check us out on Spotify, Apple, Google. Leave a comment. Give us a rating. Subscribe. Tell a hoop fan. Follow me on Twitter, at Lance Caparossi. Follow us on Instagram, at Everything Hoops. Bryce, where can they follow you? Just follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, Motor City Hoops. That's the the Pistons Focus podcast, but I do everything NBA, everything hoop conversation on there. So follow me on there and um, I'll promote this. I talk hoops, do NBA playoff breakdowns, all of that. And follow us on YouTube at Everything Hoops for more breakdowns and other video content. And also, if you want to get Bryce's attention, just at him at Motor City Hoops and say mid-range, mid-range rules, <laughs> and he will instantly respond. We will have a conversation. For sure, for sure. Thanks for listening. And now enjoy my interview with Marcus Allen Thomas. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to my interview with Marcus Allen Thomas. Thank you, Marcus, for coming on. I appreciate it. I love talking hoops with anybody, and I can't wait to hear your story and your thoughts with what's going on in the NBA today. So real quick... Before I let you say hello, I'm going to share with everybody <laughs> how we met. Basically, I was on Twitter. I saw this conversation about J. Cole and his pro career. I say that in quotes. His pro career over in the BAL, the, Baskin Af the Basketball African League. And, you know, I, I enjoyed what you had to say about J. Cole. So I gave you a like. I gave you a follow. You gave me a follow back, and that's how the conversation started. It's nothing yeah. fancy. It was pretty cool. But, again, I appreciate you coming on. So, uh, yeah. Appreciate you, bro. You. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. But, you know, let's get into this. Let's talk a little bit about J. Cole. Like, so he plays, I think, three games in the BAL. What are your thoughts on J. Cole playing pro ball? Uh, well, when I first heard about it, I, I heard about it earlier. I think he was training. This is before it all happened, so he was training for it. So I was just like – you know, wow, he's going for it. Uh, you know, for me, I've been playing basketball my whole life. You know, was able to take it to the, you know, play overseas and, you know, get a chance like, you know, with the Indiana Pacers and all those things. You know, I know what it takes to get to those levels. Uh, play junior college ball as well. So it's like, wow, he's he's actually going for it. So um, when I first heard about it, I was really interested. And then, you know, when, before it started, I, I, I think I tweeted, well, I, I know I tweeted, I said, hey, I'm pushing for him, I'm going for him. But I said he is playing against guys of my like caliber who are like seven, eight years in, who are going over there to get not only get a chance to play and get film so that they can go somewhere else and play next season, but also, you know, they're trying to play for something. They're playing for their careers. Uh, so I knew that was, you know, that was in the cards going out there. So I knew it wasn't going to be a cakewalk. Um, I did say he was going to average 10. You know what I'm saying? But, he, you know, he, like I said, I know he had some struggles here and there. Plus, you know, it was just, you know, it was a tough time. Plus, he had a family situation, so I prayed for him on that one. So, I was like, yeah, I was like – it was interesting, though. I was glad to see him do that. You know what I mean? Uh, artist turned athlete. You know, it's almost vice versa for me. It's athlete uh, turned artist. So, I'm, I'm always uh, cheering for those guys that try to make those difficult steps, man, for real. Did you think it was – like a little disrespectful to the other pro basketball players. Cause when I saw it, I was thinking, cause I believe the BAL, I think he played mm -hmm. for like Al sale or ass sale. I think that's the team name. No, it was the Rwanda Patriots. My bad. Anyways, 
they, I think they originally tried out 20 guys and gave 13 guys roster spots. And I find it kind of hard to believe that Jay Cole was one of the 13 best players <laughs> that they tried out. And it's no disrespect yeah. to him. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of guys like you that have worked their asses off. Man, I, I get it. I, I definitely get it because, you know, I recently I recently just stopped playing. I played in a Chihuahua, Mexico. That was uh, just before the pandemic. So I get it, man. Getting those, those roster spots are really, really hard to come by. And, you know, for guys to work, you know, their entire summers or this entire pandemic to get back to their jobs, you know, guys like me and others lost their jobs from this the pandemic, um, you know, happening. So, um, yeah, I, it, it was it was it was almost like tongue in cheek. It was like I felt I was happy for him. And then you would have moments where you'd be like, man, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like I do feel bad for guys who maybe wanted that opportunity. Um and then just the, uh, I guess the marketing of it by like maybe a Bleacher Report one when he's like shooting a ball, but he airballed that shot. You know what I mean? Like even like those things like that. I know that bothered guys for sure. And I, even J. Cole, he even made fun of himself for it. You know what I mean? You know, he, he poked at it and laughed too. But those little things, I guess, can make people feel some type of way from, you know, real athletes, you know, Athletes and entertainers, man, it, never, it, it always gets some type of way. You know what I mean? I, I've, I've even bumped into it when I was living in L.A., um, you know, getting shots up. And, you know, people see me as an artist, but then the basketball comes out. Once people see you can hoop, you know, it, it changes the perspective of how they see you. Uh, but, you know, Jay, I was looking forward to J. Cole to jump back. I hope he jumps back into it. Honestly, I really do. I, I want to see his comeback from what his old teammate said, you know what I mean? That maybe he was disrespecting the game. So maybe J. Cole then comes back, you know, next season and goes after it again, you know? So I, I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen, you know what I mean? Yeah, that was a former Maryland guard, Terrell Stoglin. He was the leading yeah. scorer. He, said he played was, really well. He played he really well out there. He played yeah. really well. So, yeah. Dude, I mean, 30 points per game is hard to That's do. Hard, man. That's hard, That's <laughs> hard. It's hard to do with any league. I don't care where you're playing at, what country you're playing in, 30 a game. That's very efficient. So, he's playing good ball. Have you ever, and, he has the right, and he has the right to say how he felt, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Absolutely. So, like, we're talking about how hard it is to score in professional basketball. I remember as a kid, I'm thinking, dude can't even put up 10 points per game. What do you say to fans like me that say things like, can't even put up 10 points per game? Like, let me hear it, you know? I mean, even though I have respect for basketball players, and, I, you know, I've got to talk to a bunch of pros, and I've got to talk to former Division One guys, and I, you know what I'm saying? Like, what they tell me, any amount of points per game is hard to score Very. at that level. But, like, what would you say to a fan like me that is basically disrespecting a guy? Like, man, can't even put up 10 points per game. Well, you know what? I, I, I really don't see – where I see the disrespect from fans is when they start talking about overseas players. Like, I'm an overseas basketball player. Uh, you have uh, the guys, the game, Mike James is playing for the Nets, overseas guy. And usually, you know, we hear like a TV analysts or people that never play poke fun at like overseas guys. So I, I say like to those fans, it's like think about like scoring the ball and being efficient and you have one game to prove it. Each game you have to prove it. So overseas, when you go play, you're really playing game to game until your owner or whoever team and fan base is satisfied with, with your play. So I would have to go to Luxembourg to go play, but I, I had a 10-day contract. You know what I'm saying? So I had basically a, one game or two games to prove, you know, that I should be signed for the rest of the season. And even even if you sign for the rest of the season, they could still cut you. 
So you re- so put that pressure on. I guess put that pressure in, and put times ten. And then I'm a shooter, and then I gotta knock shots. I gotta knock down six to seven threes a game. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, if anything, you uh, the fans. I would tell the fans, people like that, like really respect guys for the mental toughness. You know what I'm saying? That mental toughness is is a serious thing. And NBA guys is it's times a million, <laughs> as you can see, you know what I mean? Those guys, and they, and they, you know, so all, so have respect for all 15 of those guys on that bench, including, including those coaches, because those coaches play ball too, so for sure. So you're basically saying the grind never stops when you're overseas. It never, it never stops. Hey, it never stops, man. It never stops. And I enjoyed every moment, you know, going to a different culture and, you know, I, you know, I was able to grow as an artist other than athlete out in Europe. So like I say, it was a different feeling. It was a different vibe, but I'm telling you, I had to bring it every day. You know what I mean? Every single day I would shoot twice to three times a day uh, to make sure that I was uh, on point. So you've played four levels of basketball. You played Indiana basketball, which is tough in itself. You played the JUCO level, you played D1, you played overseas, and you even had a trap for the Pacers. So really five levels of basketball. Yeah, man. So what was the difference going from Indiana high school basketball to the JUCO route? Like how much more difficult was that for you? And like, how did you, like, what did you have to do to maintain your spot at the JUCO level? Man, uh, well, Indi- Indiana basketball, I, you know, I came in the class of uh, 06. So Greg Oden, Mike Conley, I used to play against those guys when we were in middle school. We all wow. came, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've been playing and growing against these type players in middle school. So getting, you know, hope, hold my own, you know, and come together my junior year. I started playing varsity my sophomore year at uh, Warren Central High School. And then I, you know, came to that, you know, was in the East player of the year. And then, like, you know, I went to this grade field where it's like I was getting D1 letters but wasn't getting any offers from D1, maybe some D2s and D3s. But, you know, at the time, my whole class was going Division One, And, you know, I wanted that opportunity. So then I, I went to junior college in Danville Area Community College. It's, cra- it's crazy because these kids, like, are having, like, uh, announcements about what junior college you're going to. So it's like, a, I told you now, it's like when I was playing, it really wasn't spoke about. But I guess that transition um, – it's a lot more dogs that in junior college because there's a lot of guys that even come from Division ones that go to junior college to play, you know, even for that year or two to maybe even go to Kansas. I put guys that was transferring to Kansas, Iowa. You know, I played against some of the best Midwest talent uh, for junior colleges. Um, you know, I fared well there. I was an All-American there in my uh, sophomore year. Uh, and that's why I was, like, you know, really growing as a player, being able to shoot the ball, and then I got the opportunity to go to Division One. So, yeah, man, like I said, made my dreams come true and went to Loyola, Chicago. Man, Chicago is one of the greatest cities, I'm telling you. It's a great city. It really is. But I want to go back to you battling guys when you were in high school and middle school. What's that like? Did you know that, like, Greg Oden and Mike Conley, they were going to go far with basketball? Yeah, no doubt. A hundred and hundred and ten percent. I remember, I remember games vividly. Uh, we were in middle school and it, it, everybody was talking about it because uh, they went to Craig. They went to Craig Middle School. I went to uh, Raymond, <laughs> and everybody was talking about these guys. When we, I remember when he walked in the gym and I was just in middle school. I was just like, man. I was like, I had never seen. You know, what I mean, it's like a middle school kid, and he was six eight at the time, Jeez. six eight at the time. And then, you know, you got, like, little – you got Mike Conley, one of the fastest guards in Indiana. You know, I was one of the best players on my team as well. Like I said, I, I always looked at it from that because I was always one of the best on my team. So, I always looked at the other opponents. You know, I had a guy named Brandon McDonald who was a good player. So, they were they were really good, man. Like I said, I knew they were going to go to the NBA, though, because they were just – I mean, those two were inseparable. 
you know, they kept those guys together and they grew together. So what was, uh, yeah, what was like Mike Conley doing differently in middle school that maybe someone like yourself or other players weren't doing that separated him from just being um, an average basketball player? Well, man, for me, actually, I didn't like, like I tell, like, how these kids have trainers. I didn't get a trainer until I graduated college. You know, I didn't have my own trainer. I would do everything on my own. I was my own rebounder. That's what people ask how I could shoot the ball. I was my own rebounder. Uh, and I would go to this park across the street. You know, I live in Indiana called West Montgomery. You know, I lived in the neighborhood, so it would be loose dogs. So I had to carry a big old stick. <laughs> I had to carry a big old stick with me <laughs> just to go get some shots up. But, you know, I would, I would be my own rebounder. I guess if anything, uh, it's that even Mike Conley, at, even at my age, was, was getting trained. He was getting, you know, I believe he was getting trained because the things and the moves he was making, it was just, it was amazing. You know, his dad is a former Olympic athlete. So oh, yeah. then you have that background that comes with the help. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, kids, he knew his kid needed training. So he probably was able to provide that. Uh, and then, like I said, uh, that's why I really seen the difference. And his speed is just is, is crazy as well, too, man. I think Mike Conley's speed is, at the time, was just unmatched. College, professional, he's still playing great basketball. Uh, you know, he's all-star this year, so. I mean, a lot of guys, like I said, Mike is doing great things on and off the court. And he, and he uh, I believe, uh, he did he want an Emmy or a Grammy or won something because he had a movie. He had a, he did some things in a movie. So, like I said, yeah, it's, he's a hell of an athlete, man, for sure. Is there – yeah, there was something – before I ask my question, I remember hearing this too. Like, to be in order to be a better shooter, mm -hmm. you don't want a rebounder. Because once nah. you – because if you have a rebounder – you don't concentrate as hard to make those shots because you have someone chasing it. But once you're in a gym by yourself, you got to shoot. You want to make them so you don't have to run after that ball. As yeah, exactly. And there's such thing as a, as a, as a good miss. You know, you sometimes you hear coaches. I used to, you know, other than play, I used to able to train and coach kids as well. Uh, so it's like you're of a good miss. You know, you can't have good misses uh, for your big man or even for yourself when you're rebounding for yourself. <laughs> So, like I said, yeah, you definitely don't want to – You de like I said, I definitely didn't come in the game with a rebounder. So, that's that's uh, that's how I became a great shooter. Uh was able to just, just do it on my own and, like I said, adjust my shot to outside, to inside, you know. Uh, but, you know, I love the mid-range game, though. You know, I love the mid-range. I love getting to the basket. Like I said, the lost art of the mid-range is, is alive. <laughs> I, uh, Everybody, my, Everybody's taking threes now. My co-host would be like, he might just – if he was on here right now, he might have just exited the screen because he hates mid-range. Oh. He he's a coach now where he's like, I think they took like, well, uh, maybe almost 2,000 shots with his team last year, and only like yeah. 13 of them were mid-range jumpers. Wow. It was either threes or getting to the rim. He's a big believer wow. in analytics. He was a shooter himself. So Oh, he's a, he's an analytic. He's an analytic guy, too. Yep. And, and, that's, and that's interesting, man, because you hear like NBA scouts or you hear scouts who are college scouts say it's hard to watch high school basketball because now it's just like you said like you said all threes and usually bad shots and it's like usually I mean that works in college I, like I said adjust to the game in college and and in be in professional for sure it's more of an overseas game now because that's how overseas game is played like I said I've been playing that way for some time but not everybody can doesn't have to shoot the ball like that you know what I mean? yeah that's <laughs> it's true like, it's like I think I, uh, I was watching Dallas with Luka Doncic. He he was shooting forty seven percent from the three, but was shooting forty seven percent from the free throw line, which is is just mind boggling. It's like you can't hit an open free throw, but you can hit a crazy 
three. <laughs> yeah, and every player has a weakness, and I guess Lucas is shooting free throws, which well, it's a lot of kids, man. Free yeah. throws is important. I'm telling you, that was that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Let's go back though, real quick, before you're you're seeing all these guys in your classes get Division One letters. You're being recruited. You were being recruited as well, but the offers weren't coming in. And then right. you go with the JUCO route. Was there ever a time where you're like, you know what, this isn't going to work? I don't never. feel like going this route. Okay. Never, never. I was so locked in. Uh, I seen the opportunity, uh, and I and I went for it, man. Like I said, like I said, I knew guys that went to junior college. I was able to meet some of their alums that went on to play Division One. So it's, it's like, it's like, oh, it's the opportunity. It's like, oh, if you go to a school for two years, play your butt off, you can get some Division One looks. I was already getting looks. So it's like, okay, what do I need to get better in? So, you know, I think after my freshman year, uh, junior college, I, I, I was doing speed camp with my uh, with one of my coaches at Warren Central. His name is Marcus Clayton. So I was doing speed stuff. Uh, I was eating right. I was getting in shape. So, I, you know, I had to drop pounds. So, you know, I would learn the things I needed to do to be Division One, and I had two years to prove it. So I, I really liked junior college. And I, knew, I, never, I never didn't believe I was going to get that opportunity. So... So who were some of your biggest influences at the junior college level? The guys that were pushing you, like let's name drop a few guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike Carpenter, my, uh, like I said, my coach, he believed in me. I had a coach, you know, I had a coach that believed in all my skills and sometimes would let me come down and pull on a three on one shoot. You know, I was shooting high percentage from three. I was shooting like 45. So he would let me play my game. And then like my coach, Darrell Robinson, uh, who was doing like these guys are still in basketball. Uh, these are my guys. Those two guys really influenced me in junior college uh, to really pick it up because I didn't even know really much about it. Um, but they said I stayed locked in and, you know, they gave me the codes, you know what I'm saying, just to stay locked in the school. And, and like I said, I was, I, like I, said, I really believed in myself co- coming from those two coaches, which, which they would help me get to Vision One. I was actually able to find your shooting percentages at JUCO, and I believe it was forty-eight percent from the three. Yeah, man, line. you found it. <laughs> yeah, I found it. I was, I was. It was so. How many times? How many threes were you taking a game? Forty-eight percent. Um, I'm glad. Listen, and I'm glad that you found that because I don't like to always talk about that because it's no lie. It's like, yeah, I really put in the work, but I, I was, it was, I was shooting probably like four or five threes a game. Um, and like I said, they were, and they were deep, man. My mom, cause my mom always likes to bring it up. My mom and dad are basketball fans. So they watch the game now and they were like, you were shooting the ball like that back then. You were doing that back then. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> like, I said, like I said, but if you can, um, you know, I was shooting 48% from three. So if it's a three on one, it's still a 50, 50 chance. If I get to the basket, I might get fouled. I might not make it. Or if I shoot this wide open three, I'm going to make it. Like I was shooting the ball at that high of a level that I was just making that decision to shoot it. And 48% of the time I was hitting that, I was hitting that shot. That is crazy. And were these like off the dribble? Were you coming off screen? Like how are you getting these open looks? Well, I looked up the Reggie. I looked up the I looked up the Reggie Miller. So moving on out the ball was always like an important thing. Important thing. So just moving off the ball, I was getting my threes that way. You know, footwork is really important. Maybe even if you come off. Now we're talking basketball. Uh, uh, even a dialogue like coming off an Iverson cut. You know, being low and having your footwork right. I was coming off getting it that way or off a rebound off the defense. I would just bring it down and just pull up, man. One or two, three. You know, one or two, three dribbles. I would just pull up from wherever. Because I was practicing those shots every single day. You know what I mean? So everything I practiced, um, it, it comes over to the game. You know what I'm saying? So, 
So do you think like maybe what, I'm, I don't want to say your recruitment was hurt or anything like that, because you obviously made it D1 and overseas, but so you were basically playing how the game is played today when you were in high school and when you were in JUCO. Do you think the way you played may have hurt your chances a little bit going D1 right off the rip? Or was there ever a coach that told you like, hey man, we need you not shooting so much. We need you running the offense. And was um, that ever any dialogues you had with coaches? No, nah, no, nah, not at all. I just, like I said, I just think, I guess my gameplay was just ahead of the, what the gameplay is then. If anything, I learned from going junior college to division one that, you know, there are other really good players like yourself. Uh, the speed picks up. And then it's almost like playing a role on a team. Cause I, I was end up like the sixth man, you know, I went from starting being that, being the sixth man and I was learning the sixth man role uh so like I said it is it's and it's a mental game even more when you get to that level too you know what I mean so it's like it's like I learned a whole bunch I don't think it was really my gameplay because that's what <laughs> my coach my division one coach said look we brought you here to shoot the ball shoot the ball so <laughs> you know as no, no one ever really never told me not to shoot and that was just my job. So it was just like, yeah, it was never really that. It's just that I was just, we're just ahead of the game. Like I said, if the, if it was like it was now, maybe I would, um, after Luxembourg, after my second year, second year in Luxembourg, maybe I would have got that opportunity to sign with the Pacers, you know, because they weren't looking for a guard to just come down and shoot. They were looking like more of a Tony Douglas guy, you know what I mean? Tony oh, yeah. Douglas type guy who came in, who actually came in. I remember TD it came in, and I knew my chances was over because, you know, he's a veteran, hell of a guard. He can score. You know, he can score in every way. But, you know, they were looking for that type play. And Indiana Pacers wasn't shooting threes. They was, it was ground and pound. Remember Roy, Hib remember Roy Hibbert? Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They had Roy Hibbert. We had Roy Hibbert at the time. So I was in camp with, like, Roy Hibbert, and they was grounded, throwing it inside. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and you know that would have been perfect, like the in an inside-outside game with you and him. You know, yeah. keep it down low, relocate along the perimeter. Get it man, and, look, I, you know? and I tell you what, man, you, you mentioned it earlier. You said, "Hey, man, you've played at all five levels." It's crazy. I had my, I felt like I had my best numbers in Luxembourg, where I was averaging twenty-four, twenty-five, and and all that. But I played my best basketball in my whole life in that camp because I had to – I remember when the Pacers season was over, it was like 2013, 2014. I was coming in. After their season, that's when I had to start grinding. I had to I had to work out with them every single day just to get my camp invite. So it was like – it was the best – I told my dad, it's the best basketball I've ever played my whole life. Uh, you know, getting to come in and it was me. My group was C.J. Miles, uh, Paul George, George Hill, which, which was my guy. George Hill was one of my mentors for sure. Uh, from Indiana, he's from Indiana as well, uh, and it was me, and that was our group every morning. And then we you know the legend will walk in. It was like a movie. I was like living a movie, man, because I'm from Indiana. So Larry Legend was coming in, and and it's crazy, man. Paul, you would see the best out of Paul George. You would see like a uh, something switch on from everybody in that group, and they would be at their best, you know, because Larry and, and Donnie and those guys would be around. So I learned. I'm telling you, man, best basketball player in my life was in camp you know, with the Indiana Pacers. Why do you think that was? Just because you were surrounded by much better basketball players? Was it the pressure of Larry Legend being there? Or was it just the game, the NBA game opened up your game? Well, it was just like, I was already playing that way. Like, yeah. I went to shooting the threes and getting to the corner. You know, Dan Burke, who's a defensive coach at the time, he's like, Thomas, pass the ball and get to the corner because that corner three was a $5 million shot. And I can hit that shot. And it was – um. It, I don't know, man. Like, that type of talent brought the best out of everybody. So I was on point. Like, 
you know, when I shot the ball, I didn't get that many shots. When, you know, you playing guys like with Paul George, and I think one of my teams in the summer, I was playing with Paul George. And it was, we were playing a five on five. So I was on Paul George's team. It was crazy. You know, I'm playing. And I, anytime I get the shot, I was knocking it down. You know, I had one of the game winners. So it was just like, yo, being ready for the moment. Like I said, I just knew there wasn't many moments. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's not a lot of moments that you get in life. And this is the moment I've been waiting for my whole career. And I was out there performing, man. I was out there performing every day. You know what I mean? To workouts, I would be at 100% going hard just like them to, you know, playing five on five. You know what I mean? So to even get, hey, to even have Larry Bird start talking to me a little bit more. You know, I start gaining the respect of some of the best. So it was, it was cool. It was really cool, man. Well, can you uh, take me back to some of those conversations? What were some of the things you guys talked about? Oh, I remember uh, the first, <laughs> the first words he said to me. He said, "Thomas, get your damn feet off the three-point line," because <laughs> he was, uh, you know, with the NBA three and the overseas three. It's a, it's a further back, and I think my foot was on. You know, we we'd shoot. And uh, he was watching me shoot, and I think my foot was on the line. And that's the first thing he said to me. And then uh, after, you know, he would give me pointers here and there about coming off a ball screen and then pulling up, you know what I mean, or reading the defense. And then one, one cra- the craziest one that was really cool just for me, it was after a long day, long workout, uh, I found myself in the hallway, just me and him walking to the locker room. <laughs> it's a, like Larry Legend and me just walking to the locker room. I just didn't know what much to say, so I was just like – I just didn't know what to say, so we just started talking. He just brought, you know, he started talking and laughing, talking about fishing. You know, he's a regular guy, so it's like, man, I got the, you know, I, sometimes you don't pause sometimes and realize those things. You know, these these moments, I told you they don't come much, but I was just like, man, me, me and Larry Legend walk to the locker room. I'm iced up. <laughs> he's hunched over, you know, got a little, you know, he has the back issues a little big, but he can still shoot the ball, but now nah, we just walking, talking basketball, man. So even though I didn't make that team, moments, man, the moments I've gained there, People I've met, like I said, I wouldn't trade it for I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. I, of course, then I wanted to play and make that team. And I was and I was hurt, but the opportunity meant everything for sure. So you get to play with Paul George, and you're watching him in practice. When you watch him in practice, and then you see him in the playoffs, is that like the same person? Like, what what do you think some of his struggles are when it comes to the playoffs? I tell I tell you what, uh, the difference between that PG and the PG now, because Stephen he's brought it up, is the mental. You know what I mean? Um, me for me being able, you know, when I went to college, I studied psychology, and I got my psychology degree. And I didn't play basketball. I didn't go professional right away. I worked with, you know, doctors and nurses. So I work with people in mental health. So I know it's a serious thing. And if anything, I see a difference in Paul's mental. Because when I used to talk to him, you, know, you can even see it in his gameplay. Watch Indiana Pacers with Paul George and watch Paul George now. Even though he's still good, he's still an all-star, you can just tell with his attacking. You know what I mean? Or just his just mental. Like, he was locked in in Indiana. He took us pretty deep in the playoffs. You know, people forget that. You know, when he's played, when we had when we had to go against uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and and Chris Bosh, we took them to seven. You know what I mean? So it was just like that. We need that Paul George back now, and I think that's just the difference in him now. It's just his mental, like I said, the mental health thing, which he's brought up. You know what I'm saying? He's put it out there. Do you think the injury? Well, real quick. So between 2012 and 2014. Those two yeah. years, he played, Ooh, he, yeah, played play, he played 38 playoff games. Like, he went far with those Indiana teams. You but, said it, too. Don't forget that energy, uh, injury. Yeah, Ooh, that injury. Ooh. That was I, tough. I played with you mentally. Yeah, I played with you mentally, too. So, you got that. You know what I mean? I ain't, we even put that into equation until just, just now. Yeah. 
So you bring up the psychology stuff. I was talking on the Everything Pistons podcast, which I'm going to have you on that one as well because we got to talk wait, about the brawl man. sometime. But um, let's go. When I, I talk, when I talk to people about like Seiko Demboye for a moment, I um I went to college. I graduated from Western Michigan University. My nice. degree is in communication, and one of the things we studied was body language. And I'm always telling mm-hmm. people like body language is like, you know, 70 to 90%. It's nonverbal. Like, I mean, right. you know, so when I see Seiko out there kind of shrugging his shoulders, it tells me something else is going on and his thought, his mind is somewhere else other than basketball. Do you think right. that's a real thing? Do you think like more fans should try to pick up on things like that? Like, Oh yeah. Know, oh yeah. Body For language sure. is very telling. So. Um, I don't know if you watched that Laker game before Anthony Davis even came in. I could see it in his face and his body that he did not want to go out there and play, that he was still that injured. Like I said, because I, I read body language, I read all that, and I'm like, yeah, that really matters. So people should definitely pay attention. Or, or as easy as this, it's, it's as easy as this. Paul George says he had a mental issue. Believe what he's saying. Believe yeah. that it just doesn't change overnight either. You know what I mean? So it's carrying over, though he's maybe getting better. You know, it carries over. So, you know, the mental in basketball is one of the best. It's the way I'm able to hit those shots is able guys are able to lock in during important times and playoffs. You have some of the, you know, everybody, we're all going through crazy issues right now with the pandemic, you know what I'm saying? And those guys are able to lock in and make baskets. You know what I mean? And make baskets. You have to be mentally tough. So it's the mental is, is man, it means everything right now. It's basketball, especially you, now. So you would say probably the mental the mental side of professional sports is more important than the physical? It, it is. Because you have to be mentally ready for these moments. You know, I, you know me, I have to be mentally ready to be gone from my own home, away from my own family for six to eight months, uh, not speaking, a, you know, a lick of English, watching TV in German. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Lock into someone else's culture. Lock in to make these shots and these baskets because if I don't make them, I'm going to get sent home. So you have all of these pressures going against you, but you're able to lock in and put them on the court. So if you're mentally that tough, like a Jordan, like a Kobe, you know what I mean? Like a LeBron, to, you know, LeBron, you know, you know, people love seeing LeBron fail. You know what I mean? People have been waiting for him to fail all the time. But it's like he's able to take that pressure and then go crazy on the court. So I think it's, yeah, it's very important. My so, top important thing. Since we're on LeBron, let me ask you, are you still interested in these NBA playoffs if he's out of the picture? Of course I am. Because, you know, it's a passing of the guard. It's like, wow, I can't believe we're really seeing LeBron James. I don't know. I don't even want to say, oh, because if he had AD, they would have won that. It's just like – you see a little nick, like a nick in his armor. You know what I mean? It's, and it's very rare to see. You know what I mean? It's taken him to year 18 for us to see that. Uh, but he's still an unreal. He's still unreal. Uh, like I said, I, I, but I'm interested to see what who's going to win it. Like, who do you think gonna, who do you think's going to win it? Who do I think is going to win it? Um, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, like, out of the Eastern Conference, I think it's going to be Brooklyn unless they get an injury. Right. And then out of the Western Conference – I'm honestly rooting for either Utah because I love Donovan Mitchell's game. And I'm, yeah, rooting, nice, I'm rooting for Phoenix because, one, Devin Booker's from Grand Rapids, you know, just okay, like nice. minutes away from here. But also, I just love Devin Booker's game as well. Like, I would love to see Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker battle it out in the Western Conference Finals for seven games because I kind of feel like that's what we would have got if we had Kobe and Dwayne Wade meeting in the NBA Finals. Right, I right. think those guys model each other's games pretty well. So, nah, I that's not cool. That'd yeah, be- I do too. That'd be that'd be interesting. I mean, we have. Uh, I think Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn comes out the East. 
Uh, far as the West, man, I I wanted to be I wanted to be the Suns because I'm a, I'm a big Chris Paul person. Yeah, uh, I think that he's just a good guy on and off the court. I know what he does a lot behind the scenes. Well, you know him being the president of the players union, so he does a lot of good off the court. I just want to see him win one. Um, but I don't know. It's, I told you, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm watching the playoffs. I'm actually watching these games, Game 7 tonight, uh, Dallas and Clippers. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see. And then, that, you know, we got Mayweather fighting. <laughs> oh, yeah, my we gosh. Yeah, that's to watch. We yeah, got stuff to gonna... watch, don't we? Oh, my goodness. I might honestly, like, I – like I know Floyd Mayweather is gonna win that boxing match, but like, of course, dude, I might put like fifty bucks on you know, know Logan Paul just for a knockout, like because it's boxing, anything can happen. You know, you, anything you can happen. On the chin, it it could it could end. You know, so and that's and that's how they get us, and that's how they get us with marketing wise, because it's like even though we know the right answer is Mayweather and not to spend the fifty dollars, it's just yeah. the thought of it that it could. It's like I put fifty and one. 10,000, 10,000. Something crazy like that. Yeah, my goodness, man. So uh, I want to get back real quick to talking to you about a pro. And I, because a lot of people don't think this is important. Like LeBron James and all of Miami and the Miami Heat, and I guess the rest Mm. of the Lakers as well, they only had 71 days of rest. How important is that recovery period in the offseason for your body, for your? for your mental and everything. How important Man, is that? Man, it's, it's very, it's very important. It's, it's important for athletes, important for art, you know, I'm, you know, I'm art, you know, I'm an artist as well, uh, doing my music. So all that stuff for like off season and giving yourself a break mentally and physically is important. Uh, for me, what I've, as an athlete coming through the Bay area, living in the Bay area, I've learned like meditation and yoga and how important stretching is every day. You know, I stretch and do yoga twice a day and I think it was some uh someone said it about LeBron James he can randomly just get up and just start stretching you know what I mean just make sure he's not still so that those things are very important man like I said uh to get those days of rest and that's as we both see has made a difference for these guys in the playoffs you know you rarely heard of injuries happening during the bubble right those those guys were you know coming back in fresh and you know after games they would just be fishing in the bubble we're just chilling in their room in the bubble you know what i'm saying so that rest was very important even mentally and physically and they were getting like massages right after massages right right on point yeah man that bubble i mean that bubble it, it takes away a lot of distractions once you get outside of that bubble you know life happens you know it's just like a lot of distractions so you know a lot of guys are aren't able to bring it like I mean, that bubble was a very interesting thing that like, I can't wait till a documentary something is made about that bubble because I want to see the good and the bad you know what I mean I want to hear oh, yeah, about absolutely. That. stuff was cra- I mean that stuff was crazy yeah I think uh my uh my tease Thibel for the Sixers he did a pretty good job of documenting some of the stuff going on you know yeah. I got to talk I to check that out I got to talk to Anthony Tolliver a little bit about it and he had nice. some words on uh what the bubble was like basically the food kind of sucked at the beginning <laughs> after that they were able to get down to business but um so you, you played overseas I think you said for eight years um how do the overseas fans treat American players uh well I've received nothing but love uh like I said I've even my even I have gained a fan base like I said my fan base in Luxembourg have followed me through you know from basketball to now my art now they love all my music like a lot of my music is getting a lot of plays and a lot of my work you know I did some modeling and stuff in LA man a lot of my work is going through Europe because I lived over there in Europe and I've gained like a fan base and a you know nice little like it's more like family oriented out there you know you so you learn the culture it's the culture is 
so different from Europe to just America. Uh, I think that's what you learn coming into these organizations that they really actually care for you. Like the president of my team really cared for me. I knew their family members. They, you know, they knew about mine, you know what I mean? So it was just like really like coming into a full circle. So just living out there is, and playing out there is like, it was really cool, man. I'm glad I got that experience. Do you think um, NBA fans are a little bit more disrespectful towards players than overseas fans? Um, I mean, it just depends. I mean, you can say that, but then I've been hey, I've been in those professional soccer games in Europe and in Germany, and I, it it was me and my six nine forward and my seven foot one big man center, and we were a little bit nervous to be you know be in those soccer stadiums because and we were in the area where everybody likes to stand up and really cheer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and go hard. So I can't really say that the American fans are more disrespectful. It just depends on the sport. But I guess, you know, like Kevin Durant says, it does play a, play a part. We all have been kind of stuck in the house for almost two years, uh, especially people who were coming out of California. I was, in, you know, being in California, we were on real lockdown. And uh, so, you know, you got those people now coming out to a sporting event and they're just going, you know, they're going crazy, man. They're like, you know, fans are just, they're crazy. They're not just there to watch the game. You know what I mean? They want to be a part of it or, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, they're financially invested in it now with the gambling, you know, that's gambling true. being a thing, you know, and that's what I'm saying. The NBA now is, you know, I only know if they had uh, the advertisements on their jerseys. I think they had them in the bubble because they weren't dealing with fans. But now fans are coming there because some of them got money on the game. <laughs> And they want, you know, now they're just being disrespectful and blatant for no reason. Crazy. Yeah, you'll you'll see guys on their phones and you're like, you know they're trying to predict who's shooting the next shot. They're gambling well, yeah. as the game is going on. It's a wild time. Yeah, the breakdown of the gambling is crazy. You can like, oh, this guy's going to get 10 points in this quarter. And it's like, yeah, I won 500 bucks off of it. You know what I'm saying? He's going to get this much. It's like, what? It's like, wow. It's, it's getting crazy. Tie. It's a wild it tie. I can tell yeah. you that. I know a couple of people, they, they dabble, they get pretty deep into gambling. It's pretty wild. But, um, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> how do you feel? Uh, what, what do you think the NBA needs to do with some of these fans, though? Because I know we were kind of talking about it a little bit before we started recording. Like, you got Russell Westbrook. He's, you know, got popcorn dumped right. on him. Trey Young got spit on. Uh, John Morant's family, they were – I mean, they were in Utah, so I mean, yeah, that's that's like yeah, Utah, yeah. (laughs) I don't mean to throw everybody under the bus in Utah, but you know, there's a lot of stories that come out, and then we had the fan like altercation with the coaches for the Indiana Pacers and everything. Like, what do you think? Like, the NBA needs to do something before we get another malice at the palace, or do you think this is just people are restless? Uh, no, I think I think the NBA needs to do something. Um, I think when guys are leaving out of the tunnel, they need to keep fans from there. I think it's almost it's, it's almost wild to say. It's like bring that bubble aspect with the fans. It's like maybe we need to start putting glass up at a certain point. You know what I mean? Yeah. At a certain point of areas, maybe the people who are paying the big bucks, they ain't got to worry about no glass or in, them in front of them because they're on the floor or whatever because those people aren't really getting it, you know, or, or you know, except for New York. That was that was just what Trey Young was so just disrespectful. All of it's been disrespectful. So it's like maybe we just need to go ahead and scoop the fans back because also the restlessness does play, you know, it does play a part, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I think it's, I think it's in times of changing. Times are changing. Since times are changing, then the NBA needs to, you know, make something happen. I think that will be a, a focal point 
in the offseason. I'm sure, you know, the NBA's player unions are already, you know, they're already setting to talk about that stuff with, uh, um, you know, summer camp is coming back to Vegas. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, the NBA summer camp is back in Vegas. And, you know, I've been out there and I've worked that. I know that's where a lot of teams and, and player, you know, people meet. <clears throat> so I'm sure that will be a conversation. I think like a lot of fans, though, too, they kind of have this idea like, oh, I'm paying for a ticket. Like, you're a little less than a human. I can talk to you and treat you any way I want. I mean, this goes back to, like, Marcus Smart playing at Oklahoma State where he – Man, I remember. Left, you know where he left the floor to go interact with the fan, just been like, hey, man, watch what you say about me. I'm not, like – this isn't the zoo or anything. Like, you know – I remember that, man, yeah. vividly. I remember that game. That's crazy. Yeah, just I, – I feel like fans – you know, I mean, I've never been in, like, that situation other than as a spectator. But, like, talking to professional basketball players like yourself, professional athletes, like, I feel like I get a different perspective from it than just being an ordinary fan. And, right. like, my level of respect for you guys and what you do might be a little bit higher than the average guy, you know, that's just been buying tickets. You know? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're there to, and we're there to, like I said, we're, we're showing and displaying our love for the game. And we know the fans love it too. And we're just, you know, we're out there playing and we want to give our all. It should just be all, you know, me all love at the end of the day. I told you when I, after, after my games in uh, Luxembourg, uh, we would, you know, drink and sometimes eat with our fans, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, have a, have a nice, you know, we live in, you know, we live in Europe, they, the beer is, you know, amazing. So they, you know, bring us beers and we have beers with our, our fans and take pictures and talk to our fans. So it was, it was, it's definitely a bit more chiller, I guess, with the basketball in Luxembourg when it comes to, you know, the U.S. <laughs> you know, you're not doing that much in the U.S. for sure. So let's go back to Luxembourg for a minute. You were an all-star player over there. You were a three-point champion as well. What's that like being named an all-star and being a three-point champion and everything? Uh, man, it, 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 meant, it, meant a, it meant a lot because, you know, I've been able to – you know, I did it in high school. I was a three-point champion in high school. I remember Jermaine O'Neal had this all-star uh, and I, I was supposed to be on this all-star team, but you, I, you know, politics and basketball, you know how that is. Yeah. So I didn't get picked for that. You know, I didn't get picked for that, but I would, uh, they actually wanted me to perform in three-point, you know, contest, and I won. I was a three-point champion over, uh, over one of my former friends who was a shooter. Uh, but nah, man, like I, said, I don't know why it took me back there, but this, I guess being one of a three-point shooter and them celebrating it and them appreciating it, it felt good because, you know, all the hard work I put in and, um, you know, the, I told you, you know, I really just adapted to the whole European culture. I didn't, I was an American coming to Europe. I was, I was just coming to learn and embrace the culture. And I think that's why the people and everybody embraced me as a, as a player, you know what I mean? And that's where I started to learn like, oh, they, they want to learn more about me than, than just basketball. You know what I'm saying? And so they was like also just following along on just my career. So I don't know, man, just, I guess playing over there and growing over there, not just as an athlete, but as an artist, it, it just, it changed everything, man. I can't wait to go back and, uh, you know, rage with some of my people musically out there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so where did the uh, love for music come from? Because you are, like, I listened to your song, I believe it's called Old Man Marco. I yes, sir. It on Twitter yes, yeah, Appreciate like, that. where does that part come from? Like, is have you always wanted to be an entertainer? Yeah, and basketball yeah, yeah. was just kind of the first avenue for you to go down and pursue well, entertainment? Man, um, I tell you what, just, uh, you know, I've always been in music. I was uh, playing Barry saxophone and saxophone in middle school, uh, clarinet, you know, my 
my dad, my mom loved music. I was listening to Parliament, you know what I mean? Like I said, oh, yeah. listen, a lot of old, a lot of old school, you know, red hot chili, red hot chili peppers get thrown in there, <laughs> thrown in there a little bit, a little red hot, but nah, uh, Rolling Stones for sure, Jimmy. But um, yeah, I've always just been a fan of just, you know, music. And, um, you know, I got to high school and you had to choose basketball or a band. You know, I was good in basketball, too, so I just decided to just, you know, focus on basketball because I knew it would help me get my, you know, college degree, and it can, like, take me and, you know, take me around the world. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, I really absolutely. didn't learn about music really doing that. So I guess after, you know, basketball was done, I was able to, like, really dabble into, like, you know, I'm a, I write journals, and, I write, you know, I'm able to help build brands. So I know how to write and do things. So I just really, like, and in those times living in Luxembourg for eight months, watching German TV <laughs> gives me time to write, <laughs> you know, gives you time to write and think. Uh, so I started dabbling in and, you know, living in LA uh, also really helped with that as well. I have a mentor named Lenny. Yes. Uh, he's, he's also on my Twitter. If you look on my Twitter page, uh, I'm on stage with him and Khaled. Uh, you know, he manages DJ Khaled. Um, so I was able to learn from those guys a lot. It's just about, you know, behind the scenes and that. And that's now I'm starting to do music and, and people have been waiting for me to like really tap into this. So, you know, I'm really just, you know, working in on that and expressing myself. We talk about mental health, expressing myself and help, you know, helps with the mental health, health and uh, getting, you know, just get my art out there. You know what I'm saying? It's really cool to hear that you played like the clarinet and the saxophone. I was a trumpet player. There we go. Exactly. Well. So, you know, but I I mean, everybody got some music in them, right? Yeah, exactly. a little bit, a little bit. But how much different is it preparing to do like a show in music versus playing a basketball game? Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't, uh, you know, with COVID stuff happened, I haven't got to like really, I guess, get out there and, and perform, which is definitely happening soon with things opening up. Uh, I get, I'd, I'd say it's almost the same thing, you know, except for you're just, you know, you're talking more. Instead of people just watching you go up and down the, the court, they're getting to hear you and listen to what you're saying. Uh, and you, it's almost like you're getting booked you're getting to become one with your fan base or who people who are listening to you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's yeah. just a whole different mindset in, in everything. But I guess, um, uh, the same thing, like I said, I bring it, I bring, I guess, my focus before game and before a performance before I do a video. I just really take it seriously. I practice, I put it into practice, and then I perform. You know what I mean? I go out there and perform, even if it's in front of a crowd uh, of people or, you know what I'm saying, or if it's just in front of a video, so then it gets the content out. Um, you know, I don't know. I just bring that locked-in focus thing. I've seen with DJ Khaled. I've been able to watch DJ Khaled control of control – like thousands of fans with his work, you know what I mean? And then his, you know, his DJ do things with like his music. So it's just like, okay, call and response. I don't know if you can say, I studied music in college too. So call, call and response is a thing that you now have to work on as well. So it's like, I really study anything. It's like I'm studying film. It's like I go on YouTube and I study uh, Jay-Z on, on the stage or, you know what I mean? Or how Nas is, t you know what I mean? Doing something on stage where the fans are able to relate. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, I guess, you know, watching film. I'm watching film right now. Yeah, Redman had a good, uh, it was, it's a video on Facebook. Well, they, uh, well, he broke it down one time. Redman said, there's a difference between someone being an MC and then versus just being a rapper. Like, you know, a guy right. can rap, but an MC, they know how to move the crowd. Like they know how to get, draw people in and really feel and vibe exactly like there is definitely an art to it so I and that's what and that's what old man and that's what old man marco is it's like the hook 
the hook will bring you in because it's like it's just a creative hook it's just like oh who's old man marco it's like we all have an old soul it's like you can relate to that because it's like we all have like that old man marco we watch you know Shaq and chuck and those guys are you on tv you know that's that old soul you know what i mean everybody has that old soul oh, yeah. so that you know the hook brings you in and then after you hear the hook uh, then it's knowledge in between the bars. So you bring that's when, and that's what Red Man and, and Method Man are talking about. They're bringing knowledge in their bars. You know what I'm saying? So it's just not like, uh, pip, like, uh, was like, uh, pop, pop rap. You know what I mean? It's not really pop rap. It's just like, no, it's just a catchy hook, uh, but with knowledge in between. You know what I'm saying? So it's, oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's really, like I told you, it's like, uh, it's, it's methods and stuff that I'm still learning, but man, I, I'm having a good time and hopefully I'm uh, influencing other people to try uh, music themselves. You know what I'm saying? So it'd be dope. Hey, you never know. You could have a second life overseas again or right here as a, as an entertainer in music. But Dude, um, I mean, you never know. You never know. It's a good song, by the way. I encourage people to go check it out again. Oh my I God, shared it, it on my Twitter page. I'll even share it again anytime, man. But let me appreciate ask you, give me four basketball players you want to share a court with, and then give me four artists you would like to work with on an album. Yes. This is, see, these are the questions I've been waiting for. These are the questions I want for. All right. If I have four, who's my point? Who's, who's going to be my point guard, I guess? Who's yeah. going to be my PG? Uh, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is going to be my PG. Uh, my two is going to be Kobe. You know, I was able to meet, you know, uh, Guy Russell. So I was able to meet Kobe Bryant uh, and be around him and his team. So he's a good dude. Love Kobe. Who's going to be my, who's going to be my, I, I guess I'll put it two, two, three, right? I'll be the three, man. Yeah. Um, my four, Dennis Rodman. You know, I got, I rock the blonde hair. So, you know, me and Dennis, me and Dennis could go in after a game. <laughs> Right. It don't even matter. We can have Chicago Dennis Robin or we can have Detroit Dennis. It don't even matter. Like I said, he was he was good at both. And then I, my center is uh is gonna be Shaq. Uh because not only, you know, Shaq, he's the most dominant center of the game. Uh he's a DJ. I don't know if people know he's DJing this summer and he's doing some stuff. So hopefully uh me and Shaq can jump off a stage together. That'd be that'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be wild. Yeah, he gets he gets pretty hyped. I saw the dancing he did with Rob Gronkowski two summers ago. It's Bro. just it's they know he's amazing life, energy, man. man. And, and, and the, I'm telling you, like getting to work behind the scenes in the NBA, getting to meet guys like Shaq, and he's like, man, he's like being around him and then y'all, me. I've seen those guys up close. I'm like, man, these dudes are just not even human. And then for Shaq to be able to like bring that energy to music and de- do what he does, man, he's a full circle good. Good dude, man. All-time entertainer as well. Crazy. So then, so who's the, who's the top, is those top four artists? Yeah, the four artists uh, you want to work with. Who I want to work with? Yeah. Oh, okay. Who like I want to work with? Yeah, like your dream lineup, pretty much for an album. Oh, that's that's easy. Guys have taught me a game. Uh, I would. Who would be the coach of it? You know, I have my guy Lenny. Lenny would be the AR. I have Lenny in on that. I have Jay. I would love to work with Jay Z, uh, DJ Khaled, uh, and Nas. That that's the and the Kanye West and the Kanye West. That's my group right there. Like I said, that's that that that's the group I would love to work with. <laughs> that's a good lineup right there. Oh yeah, man. My gosh, oh my <laughs> I already had that in my head. I think yeah. that's that's what I've been working up under. That's what who taught me the game. It's like yeah, of course I want to take it to. You know, that level. No, no disrespect to none of the Detroit rappers because, you know, Big Sean, he's one of my favorite artists. Uh, Eminem, I was listening to Eminem 
I know, I know you into, like I said, you can't tell me you from Detroit and you don't like no Eminem. And I, I've never heard no short person say I don't like Eminem. Eminem's a, a great artist, man. Dude, Eminem, Big Sean, D12, I really liked Proof. Uh, rest in peace to him. He was oh, one of my favorite you. artists. Thank you, Proof. Royce to 5'9". Royce to 5'9". Like yeah. What's up about 5'9"? You like Royce? Well, the thing is with him, like, I feel like there's not a ton of rhyming when he when he performs. I There is, but he goes on these, like, long rants, and I'm like, I don't even know where this is. He's a very good storyteller. I'll yeah, say that. And, yeah, and that's what he's a very good storyteller. His rap is, like, not he has knowledge in it. And sometimes some people don't like all that knowledge. Some people yeah. like to get to the point. But he's he's a great MC, man, for yeah, sure. He, he actually is the one that, you know, like the Jay-Z song and Eminem when they got on, it's like Renegade or whatever. The original yeah. song features Royce the Five Nine, and he goes pretty hard on that um that song. That's before what I'm saying. It was- and that's what I'm saying, man. He's he's yeah, he's one of the best in Detroit, man. Detroit has some of the best artists. I'm telling you, but Midwest, we out here trying to do something for sure. But one of my favorite artists from Michigan, period, is John Connor. He's actually managed by Mateen Cleves, former Michigan State point guard. And no I, way. And I believe he had a contract or like a record deal with Death Row Records at the time with. Or whatever Dr. Dre's album um, record label is now, but actually got wow. to meet Don Connor at a very small venue years ago. My buddy, he was he performed. I was just taking pictures and filming because I thought it was fun. Okay. And Mateen Cleves came up to us and he's like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, who do you guys like?" And we're just sitting there talking with him. My friend was like, "Bro, that's Mateen Cleves." So I started messing with Mateen Cleves, and I'm like, "Bro, who do you think wins in a shooting contest between you and I?" And he just started laughing, and he's like. Bro, he's like, I love talking to you. You want to go on stage and film? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I got to go up on stage. I filmed. And then me and John Connor, we, after his performance, we talked. And, you know, we had like 300 people just circling around us. And we're just talking. I'm telling him how much I enjoy his music and what he's really doing. And it was a really cool experience Like to actually talk to John Connor like that. And it really dope when you get to meet some of the people you actually respect with what they do in their art, man. Oh, yeah. That's dope, man. That's a dope story, dude. And I wasn't trying to be like a fan fan with him, but I was like, bro, you have this guy here performing with you. You didn't do this song or this song. And he's like, bro, you listen to that stuff. And he just got super excited just because someone knew like his other music that wasn't like. And, 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 that's, and that's what I'm saying. So it's like, and probably with him, the songs he were performing were more like radio songs. Yep. And it's like, that's what Old Man Mark, Old Man Mark was like a radio song, but artists like me and him we like our other music because it's not radio it's like you have to really like like us as artists to like our other stuff because it's it's like less you know poppy you know what i'm saying i don't know like i said i understand where he's coming from though and i and that's why he appreciates you for that because it's like yo i appreciate you like the other music that isn't probably all out there like that or that they're not marketing you know what yeah. I'm saying? So, oh, yeah, that's like dope, man. conscious music, man. I love the yeah, conscious hip-hop. Exactly. Conscious hip-hop is always – that's my flow, man. I love conscious. That's why I say, like, Young Kanye. Uh, Black, I love Black Thought. I don't know if you listen to Black Thought. Oh, yeah, Black Thought's uh, amazing, man. Man, he's amazing, man. Like um, I said, so those guys, for sure. The, the late, great MF Doom, he was amazing. Man, MF. Oh, <laughs> MF has inspired me. He inspired other artists like Tyler, the Creator. Every artist in this industry, Kanye West – MF Doom is like inspired. Like I said, I don't know if you heard his new. Uh, it's a thing called Zarface. It's out, so you should check it out. Uh, MF Doom is on there. They got some of his stuff on there, so it's crazy to hear the bars are still there. You know what I'm saying? R.I.P. MF Doom. There sure. was a guy too that he was very like very deep underground, but he was part of this hip hop group called uh, 
common market. They're like big in Seattle and everything like that. And his name is R.A. Scion, I believe was what it is. He's just a bald-headed, tatted-up white dude. And, dude, his music, it's deep. Like, there's some words I don't even understand. You need a dictionary when he's rapping. But he was one of my favorite artists for a minute. Just, I love going back to his stuff. Dialogue. It's good talking to me. Like I said, music, basketball, that's what it's all about, man. Good mission, man. So I want to talk to you too about like, cause I know you write for, what is it? Uh, Maryjane.com, I think. Is oh yeah. I write, I write, uh, I write for a cannabis publication called Mary Jane's Post. Uh, I write for the culture and arts and the business uh, section. So yeah, you know, I'm also doing some writing. So let me ask you about like, um, like marijuana. Do you think it helps like with athletes pain? Do you think it's a good thing that athletes should be using it? Or do you kind of, since you're in it, or do you think like, Dude, smoking is smoking. You know, like right, right, it's not the right. best thing for you to be doing all the time. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, like I didn't, I didn't get into marijuana and cannabis until after my professional basketball career. So I actually never really used it during during my season or ever really used it during playing. Um, I've only been, in, you know, indulging and tapping into it like maybe for four four years. Okay. So I'd say I say it does help athletes. Some athletes do have anxiety issues to go and perform in front of the, all those people. Maybe some maybe the cannabis helps them calm down. And, you know, some some strains have that for people to you know to indulge in, and to maybe or even eat. You know what I'm saying? So maybe to help with that. So I think I'm coming from it for a positive. So when I write these columns. Uh, other uh, other than me getting someone's story out and under you know a minority entrepreneur who's who's getting their canvas out and then we're talking about the positive what it gives back from you know like uh, viola does with mental health on how they're doing with their uh cannabis you know what i'm saying so yeah um it, it definitely does make a difference for sure and it, my thing is this and if you want to just smoke it you can just smoke it as, you can just yeah. smoke it as well there's nothing wrong with that either i think i love all all forms of it positivity is is a good thing so I will share a little bit about myself when it comes to this. Like, I love, like, I, I don't really do anything until, like, my daughter's in bed and the work is done for the right. day. But, man, right. there is nothing like on a day off taking a gummy and just, you know, I'll go hit, I'll right. go down by my pool and just hit golf balls until it kicks in. And then, uh-huh. like, I'm a big believer in, like, stretcher, stretching and yoga and meditation. Yes, yes. Very, yeah. like, I, I do these daily especially stretching but like when that thing kicks in man like i feel every kink in my body and i'm like i can see why this taking this would help an athlete because like you're i feel like it at least for me personally it makes me a little bit more in tune with my body i can you know stretch out certain areas and it just you know just gives me an overall different feeling man full circle that stretching self-talk you know i've been like you know since i've been i've been in therapy for two years so self-talk it really helps with that stuff man like that's why i think like cannabis is it's a really interesting field and now it's like being okay to talk about um because i'm starting to see more uh commercial marketing on twitter for cannabis i'll see like a like an old white lady smoking weed now and it's talked about on the uh, on the washington journal you know what i'm saying it's like it's like it's being marketed it's being marketed so so commercial now it's okay to talk about now i do hear more people like you say they ingest it with food wise and gummy wise because that's like i guess the more it's sometimes it's just a clean thing to do but i'm a flower i'm a flower person man i don't mind the gummies i don't mind any of that because i know i have a couple uh my friend josh martin well you know i'll give a shout out he's a la uh he's a la clipper and laker beat writer but he moved his <clears throat> his brand to detroit or in the Michigan area where he does cannabis edibles. 
So it's like, it's, it's opening an avenue for people to like, you know, everybody's in cannabis, you know what I'm saying? So now it's just like, oh, it's giving that market for people who would just rather do a gummy or people who would just do it smoking out of a pen, which are, these are the casual, you know what I mean? These are the casual yeah. ways to ingest weed so they can make a commercial instead of, the, you know, just doing a flower and just, you know, putting your stench out there everywhere, <laughs> everywhere that everybody can smell, man. No, so and I'm a flower I, person for sure. So I do love the flowers as well. Don't get me wrong. Like, no, I just, know, I know. You're yeah. responsible. You're a yeah. responsible parent, and I can. Yeah. I don't have any. I don't have any kids, so I, I can appreciate you being responsible with it. But like when you and your wife are on vacation, man, maybe <laughs> yeah. L.A. on the beach, man. That's when the fly. Hey, that's when the flower kicks in. When you can be a cool dad. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So real quick, before we go, I'm going to give you the stage and you can plug any project you're working on, any podcast, you want to go on any writing, any song, whatever you want to plug. This is your moment. Feel free. Man, appreciate it. Uh, well, like I said, if you guys uh, head over to my YouTube channel, uh, St. James Jr., my uh, new song, Old Man Marco is out. For those links, you go to my Instagram, which is writer's block, W-R-I-T-E-R-S underscore B-L-V-C-K is my Instagram where you can find um, old man Mark going that video and it's doing, it's doing really well. We got over 11,000 views, uh, 2000 views on YouTube. So I appreciate the support thus far. Uh, other than that, I do have a new column coming out uh, for Detroit's finest Isaiah Thomas. And we have John Sally and we're talking about them and cannabis. They're uh, on the uh, board uh, for Big One Pharma, I believe that's what their company is, uh, and they're on the board and they're doing great things. So it's like bad. The bad boys are in cannabis. Is gonna be is gonna be the uh, title. So I'm definitely excited for those things. I appreciate you having me on today, brother man. It's always good to take talk art basketball and see some familiarity. We met on Twitter, isn't that crazy? That's on crazy. Twitter, <laughs> off of Twitter, like, and now we're doing a, You know, we're able to do a great podcast today. I appreciate you, brother. Dude, and I feel like I could honestly talk to you for hours about yeah, all bro. Of the things we talked about so yeah i mean if you're looking see forward to the DMs, next project man, so. yeah I'm, I'm looking for our next project together i can't wait to talk more man some detroit basketball for sure yeah and anytime like you have time i'd love to have you back on just talk hoops and everything but it's Any, good to anytime. get to know you man i you know i really do appreciate you coming on man Nah, no problem brother man appreciate you today all right, man, that is the show. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. You can follow Everything Hoops and check us out on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a comment, give a rating, tell, you know, subscribe, and then more importantly, tell a hoop fan and follow me on Twitter at LanceCapRossi. Follow me on Instagram at Everything Hoops. And all right, there we go. Thanks again, Marcus, for coming on. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.